hour number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each week we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week and the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And I know that word unique is way overused, but this program is always unique, and particularly this week, because we've got a lot of very strange things to discuss, especially in hour number three, which you'll definitely want to... Hour number two is going to be good, but you'll definitely want to stick around for hour number three. It builds. It gets better and better as each hour goes by. Yes. (laughs) You never know when the climax of our program is going to be. It could be hour one. It could be hour three. could be for three straight hours of climax. Um, But but regardless, this is going to be a, yes, truly unique uh, program. No other program is going to do the content that we do, for better or for worse. Uh, And that's pretty much true on a weekly basis. Now, we ended the last hour with a little bit of a discussion about what a fraud Larry Wilmore, the host of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, is. And this is important, Leah. It's not just me talking about a guy I used to be buddies with, golf buddies, being a fraud and a sellout for money. It's indicative of what happens, I think, with regard to the media in general. Everybody's an actor. And, and, and race, blackness, has become nothing but a weapon. That's what it oh, is. Absolutely, It's a weapon. And so here's a guy... Larry Wilmore living as white a life as you could possibly imagine. And what I mean by that is he's not experiencing any discrimination at all. At all. He has his gig because he's black. He's in the country club because he's black. He's hanging around with other people in the country club who are almost all white. He's living in a beautiful house. He's going on. I actually ran into him in our, our vacation in Italy one uh, one year, which was bizarre. Um, trust me, he's going first class. All right. So this is this is not a situation where he is, you know, as Wolf down Bl- with the struggle. Right, down with the struggle, or as as Wolf Blitzer might say, so poor and they are so black. No, th- that's not Larry <laughs> Wilmore. <laughs> and yet here he is, in front of the White House Correspondents Dinner, national television, multiple networks. Saying I'm, da- you know, I'm going to keep it 100 and calling the president of the United States a, a nigga. I mean, seriously? Yeah. Uh, uh, wow. And that's that's fraud to a, a whole new level. Um, now, the other reason why the White House Correspondents' Dinner was important is because it really is a, um, a an opportunity to get to see the liberal media club Ugh. in action. And if you pay attention, as we always say, you pay attention, the truth will come out. And it came out last night. Oh, it did. Uh, very clearly. Although I, it hasn't gotten that much publicity or n- coverage that I've seen, even in the in the conservative circles. Maybe it's because it's a Sunday. I don't know. But frankly, here's the moment where the news media revealed what I've been saying for months, that they're in the tank for Hillary, that they all know Hillary's going to win, especially now that they've accomplished their primary goal of making sure Donald Trump is her opponent so she can't yep. possibly lose. Here right. was here was that moment. Listen to the crowd reaction. Now, remember, these are almost all news journalists. Members. These are all alleged <laughs> journalists with some celebrities, or BC list celebrities, sprinkled in. This is President Barack Obama last night at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Next year at this time, someone else will be standing here in this very spot, and it's anyone's guess who she will be, but... Yep. I mean, that reaction right there seals the deal, folks. Yeah. I mean, 
if you had any ambiguity before, you shouldn't now. It's I cannot emphasize this enough. That is a mostly quote-unquote journalistic, although there are no journalists anymore. Journalism is dead. But that's a quote-unquote journalistic crowd. And they are cheering like they're at a Justin Bieber concert. In yes. fact, Hillary doesn't get that kind of reaction. So because nope. it's President Obama saying very coyly, I wonder who she is going to be, who the next president of the United States, who she is going to be. And it's clear he's obviously referring to Hillary. And we found out not just who he wants to be the nominee, which is interesting because theoretically the Democratic race is technically not over yet, but that's as close as he's come to an actual endorsement. And also, more importantly, the news media showed their hand as far as who they want to be president. And it's obviously Hillary Clinton. And because they have done such a good job of having Donald Trump be the Republican nominee, they might not even have to break a sweat. Right. If they need to, they will. But they might not have to break a sweat for Hillary to beat Donald Trump. And interestingly, my favorite moment of of Donald Trump, of (laughs) President Obama's uh, speech last night was when Obama took the news media to task for their absurd, horrific Donald Trump obsession in a way that was, frankly, more effective and more eloquent and funnier than I've done. I've seen anybody on the conservative side do it. Here's President Obama basically taking the news media to the woodshed in a very, very subtle sort of way about how they created the Donald Trump phenomenon. I don't want to spend too much time on the Donald. Following your lead, I want to show some restraint. Because I think we can all agree that from the start, he's gotten the appropriate amount of coverage befitting the seriousness of his candidacy. (laughs) I hope you all are proud of yourselves. The guy wanted to give his hotel business a boost. And now we're praying that Cleveland makes it through July. I have to tell you, that was funny. Uh, it was also, I thought, right on target. And also, not well, not as dramatic as the Hillary reaction, Leah. You heard the laughter, right? Oh, yes. I mean, that was... They a, know. They know, <laughs> and they're actually kind of proud of themselves. They're like... They <laughs> are. Oh, he's calling us out on this. Yeah, he's kind of oh, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. We did boy, that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Can, can you believe we pulled that one off, folks? Wow. Oh, my God. How awesome is October and November going to be? This is just going to be great. You know, even I was surprised we were able to pull that Trump thing off. Um <laughs> And, and Obama did. He's it. happy. He's happy. Oh, of course. <laughs> this is, again, this is not a conspiracy, folks. It's not a conspiracy. There didn't need to be a conspiracy. As you always say, there doesn't need to be a memo. These people know what their self-interest is. Correct. It's ratings. They know enough who's best for ratings because they get the data. And they also know who's going to be the toughest to beat Hillary or for Hillary to beat because they see the polls. And unlike most of them, you know, the, the public out there, you know who I'm talking about. They actually understand how valid those polls can be if you read them properly. Right. So, so the reality is the news media knows who's best for their ratings, and they also know who's best for Hillary Clinton to run against. And that was Donald Trump, and they created the Trump candidacy. And most importantly, Trump dovetails with what I said and I've been saying for months, and I said on MSNBC, which we'll get to in the next segment this week, it wasn't just recently. It's This was all done last year 
Last year, when Trump got millions and millions and millions of dollars of free advertising when no one else could get any oxygen, that's the moment this thing was settled. That's right. Which is why in November of last year, I called out Nate Silver, the liberal media darling prediction guru, and wrote an article. Hack. You know, I believe he's a hack. Uh, who, who said Trump had no chance. He wrote a, a column, very prominent column. You know, media should stop freaking out about Donald Trump's poll numbers. And I wrote a, a column saying, because his column was, Dear Media, stop freaking out about Trump's poll numbers. And I said, Dear Nate Silver, we absolutely should be freaking out. And here's why. <laughs> and this was November of last year. Well, who turned out to be right and who was wrong? Uh, just, uh, just if you want, if you're interested in uh, reading that, you can read it at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com or Google "Dear Nate Silver," and you'll see <laughs> you'll see where I basically predicted almost not 100 percent, but closer than anybody else did how this whole thing was going to go down, and it's all because of the free media that Donald Trump got. It was absolutely critical, and it was absolutely outrageous. And I have to tell you, Obama nailed it uh, last night at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. This is the John and Leah Show. If you ever have trouble sleeping, do yourself a favor, folks, and listen up. It might just change your life. I know it had a big impact on mine. I'm talking about using MyPillow. You may have seen MyPillow's owner, Mike Lindell, on their TV commercials. Well, MyPillow is fit just for you, the kind of sleeper you are, on your back or your side or how big or small you are. I love MyPillow, and my wife and daughter use theirs as well. Obviously, a good night's sleep is a life changer. And now's your chance to take advantage of this special offer. Buy one MyPillow and we'll give you one for your partner for free. Don't waste another night on bad sleep. Life's too short. Call 800-871-1827. That's 800-871-1827. Use the promo code JL for the John and Leah Show for your free pillow and start sleeping better right away. Call 800-871-1827 or go to MyPillow.com and be sure to use that promo code JL for two life-changing pillows made in America with a 10-year warranty, all for the price of one. That's MyPillow.com. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And um, I made my first television appearance in quite a while this week. We previewed it during last week's John and Leah Show. From the perspective of I wasn't sure that I actually was going to be on the air because I figured I might get bounced. A lot of times what these cable networks do is they'll book you and then if something better comes along, they'll bounce you. And when the Cruz and Kasich alliance story broke on Sunday night, Leah, I figured I was going to get bounced. Oh, um, sure. But I was not. And it was interesting because it was the Lawrence O'Donnell show on MSNBC. And I, I, have, I, I set a record, I believe, which still stands and got extended this week, for the most consecutive television appearances on a network while ripping that network during the appearance. Um, and, and so there's been a, a, a lull in that record, but I was able to extend it by one more appearance this week because right. I did do the appearance. I did rip on MSNBC. But why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about what happened when I went on MSNBC in the Lawrence O'Donnell show? Yes. Uh, so Ziegler was there to talk about his piece that he'd written on Mediate on how conservative media was instrumental in creating Donald Trump the candidate. 
In fact, he said that the conservative media is a business, not a cause, and that's why it sold its soul to build up Donald Trump. And I happen to believe that in 2012, similar things happened during the primary process, but that was nothing in comparison to what we have seen here. In 2016, Lawrence, to me, this is the greatest travesty I've ever seen in my political life. Uh, it is an absolute abomination that alleged conservatives have literally sold their souls for a few ratings points, mostly last year during the summertime when Donald Trump announced during a very slow period of time. I happen to believe the last chance to really stop him was Iowa, or maybe New Hampshire. After that, the monster had been created. They created this monster for their own benefit, and now they will pay a very steep price because the Republican Party is going to lose. It's going to lose big in November, and liberals are going to be very, very happy at what people like Sean Sean Hannity did and others like him did, all for their own self-interest. I actually like Donald Trump as a person, but he's not a conservative, he's not qualified, and he cannot beat Hillary Clinton. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> so there you go. Um. Oh, wait, wait. A record also was made, I believe, on Monday night. Yes. Because you actually appeared on a television program where the moderator... Or the host was actually allowed to ask not one but two questions and tell a story. Yeah, that was normally once they set you up, you don't let them have the mic back. Well, <laughs> I knew this was a relatively short appearance, and you know what's amazing? And this actually is a separate issue from the Trump media concept, but it's important to get to. So I'll, I'll talk about it right now. This is why our national conversation is dead. Because our attention spans are now so incredibly short and television is so desperate to make sure you don't get bored that even a cable news network dedicated to politics thinks that giving me four minutes, that's how much I talked basically. I, th I think if you, if you counted the amount of time I was speaking, it might have been close to four minutes. They think that's a lot. Now, oh, sure. Now, let me tell you, the first time I ever went on MSNBC, was in 1999 when I was a talk show host of an FM station in Philadelphia. It doesn't even exist anymore, WWDB. And I went on, this is hilarious to think about in retrospect, because it was only 17 years ago, but it might as well have been a million years ago. Because when they did a topic back then, get this, I got on to, to, to talk about something Howard Stern had said that was controversial, right? So it was about a free speech issue. They had me on for... An hour. <laughs> and guess what? When the hour was over, they asked several of the panelists, can you stick around? Because we're going to do another half hour, an hour from now on the same right. subject. Now, that's right. This was 17 years ago. Now, the Lawrence O'Donnell show is actually better than most on this. They, and this was a miracle for a non-celebrity to get four minutes to himself to say what he wanted to say uninterrupted. And that's not enough, folks. You can't get to the truth of something that complicated in four minutes. Uh, when we come back, though, um, I'll tell you what I wanted to say, which you didn't have enough time for. <laughs> and uh, we got to move on to some other really interesting and important topics on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, which I urge you to go to for a number of reasons, although I don't think it's as updated tonight as it uh, normally would be because, unfortunately, our webmaster, Ken Pollard, who's been fantastic to us, had to go to the hospital today for an issue which hopefully will not be a big Uh problem, but uh, we're hoping that Ken's going to be okay. Uh, And one of the reasons I mention that is because uh, the MSNBC appearance, to which I referred and Leah referred in the last segment, can be seen in, uh, in an article written about it uh, at uh, my my personal website, which is johnziggler.com. That's J-O-H-N-Z-I-E-G-L-E-R, johnziggler.com. If you go there, uh, the article about the MSNBC appearance has the full video, if you're curious to see the the full four minutes that they gave me to talk about a subject <laughs> only as important as to why Donald Trump is going to hand Hillary Clinton the presidency of the United States. Now, um, you know, and that's what's so strange about this, Leah. In their minds, they thought they gave me a ton of time because that's well, you made the most of it. Well, I nobody talks faster than I do on, on television, for better or for worse. And you know, I have to because whenever I'm on television, I'm going to get interrupted. At the, at a, on a heartbeat because I'm yeah, so you can't take a breath right because I'm nobody I'm I'm I got three strikes against me white male conservative and non-celebrity <laughs> white male conservative non-celebrity I got no chance you know Charles Krauthammer I love Krauthammer is amazing on Fox News Channel but yeah. why is he amazing he's only allowed to be amazing because no one ever interrupts him and True. the reason no one interrupts him. Well, two reasons. One, because he's considered to be an intellectual giant, and so he can talk more slowly and not have to worry about someone jumping in. But the real reason is he's disabled, and no one's going to jump in on the intellectual giant disabled guy, especially <laughs> now that he's a celebrity. Well, I'm, I got no protection, so I, I, I don't have that liberty. So when people say, well, why do you talk so fast? It's because I've only got a short amount of time, and i got to make the most of it. Uh, and I had another answer. I was, you know, I was going to say something along the lines of, you know, Lawrence O'Donnell, Monica Lewinsky nev- never dreamed of doing for Bill Clinton some of the things that Sean Hannity does for Donald Trump on national television on a nightly basis. <laughs> that was going to be my next line uh, after, uh, you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? For right. the record, I did rip on MSNBC giving them credit for helping to elect Barack Obama and torching their own ratings. That's right. That's right. And he didn't uh, correct you either. Well, you didn't give him a chance. He didn't have enough time. I knew there was no time. But you know what else? I think he knew I was right. That's true. Because MSNBC has suffered dramatically. See, this is important. This is not just, ha-ha, isn't that funny? This is important because people respond to their own self-interest. MSNBC was critical in getting Barack Obama elected. And how did it turn out for them? Horribly, horribly, because their ratings went in the tank. How did it work out for Fox News Channel? Really well. Tremendously. As I said on the show, nobody other than gun manufacturers has made more money from Barack Obama's administration than Fox News Channel and Matt Drudge, alleged conservatives. And so they learned that lesson. So the last thing they're going to do is going to make sure that Scott Walker becomes president. Right. <laughs> I mean, Scott Walker would be death to Fox News Channel. 
<laughs> and conservative talk radio because they'd have no boogeyman. He's not that exciting. He'd probably do an excellent job. Everything would be going fine, and people wouldn't need to be listening to talk radio or watching Fox News Channel. It, that's the way this works, folks. So everybody has an incentive to lose. It's just the conservatives are better at figuring out what their self-interest is than liberals, or maybe liberals don't care. I actually give liberals a little bit more credit. They, they actually seem to care about winning more than our side does. Oh, yes, they do. I mean, and the other thing I would have said had I not had enough time, and this might have gotten O'Donnell pissed off, but this was part of my plan. Had I had enough time, I would have said, folks, I, I would have said, Lawrence, you guys were never going to let Bernie Sanders be the Democratic nominee. That, that was never going to happen. Bernie played a nice role for you. He gave you some faux drama. He, he engaged some young people. You didn't have to you know, have a full Hillary coronation for the entire uh, winter and early spring. But That's right, because that would have been really boring. Right, exactly. So he, he served his purpose, but now that purpose is done. Thank you, Bernie. Appreciate it. You know, collect your parting gift and uh, be gone because now we're getting serious. We're, if, it had, if it had ever gotten truly serious, if it had ever gotten truly serious about Bernie beating Hillary, they would have destroyed Bernie because they like to win. They, they even, even with the Obama uh, precedent of destroying MSNBC's ratings because there's no boogeyman, they still want to win. And they would not have allowed Bernie to be the Democratic nominee because Bernie's not predictable enough. He could lose. Bernie could, even though the polls currently say he beats Trump, I don't believe those. Because no. nobody knows Bernie. He's gotten zero real scrutiny because no one took he him seriously. He doesn't even know him. True. He doesn't even know any how to get any of the things done that he talks about doing. I, he has no clue. <laughs> I have been as critical as anybody of Donald Trump's ability to win a general election. I think Trump would beat Sanders easily if, in theory, that was the matchup. Because Sanders, does, like Trump, see, Trump's biggest problem is going to be he doesn't pass the qualified threshold. Well, neither does Sanders. <laughs> so you'd have two people who most of the public doesn't think is qualified. <laughs> so that, therefore, Trump has a real shot because he's on an even playing field. And, you know, I mean, even the news media wouldn't really be that in love with Bernie Sanders. So but that's not going to happen, unfortunately, because I think would be I think that would be way more fun than a Hillary versus Trump deal. Plus, you know, <laughs> Trump might win, probably would win. Anyway, so that's the MSNBC thing. Um, again, you can check out the full appearance at johnziggler.com. We'll get it up at freespeechbroadcasting.com at some point uh, this week. Uh, but um, I did. I just wanted to make sure that it, the record was set straight, that I continued my remarkable streak of appearing on MSNBC while ripping them on the air. Um, Duly noted. That, no, because that, that, that has to be a record. I mean, there's no possible. I mean, this, this is a record that goes at least. I I don't know for sure, but it's at least eight, nine, ten appearances in a row. I mean, Joe Scarborough actually even referenced this. I think it was the last time I was on Morning Joe, saying, "Oh, it wouldn't be a Ziggler appearance if he didn't rip on MSNBC." So, I mean, this is this is like you know, maybe not Joe DiMaggio streak, but it's getting close. <laughs> to, I, I can't. They told me. They told me immediately after I got out the set, "Would you be willing to come back?" And I said, "Of 
course I would, but you're not going to ask me back. <laughs> well, why do you say that? See, don't alert them. They're dumb. Well, they, they, these they people can be really they, dumb. They are dumb, but I'm pretty sure I'll never be asked back. But anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It was interesting. It was fun, and I was right. Now it's on the record that I was right, and uh, you know that'll be in there for perpetuity, for whatever that's worth. Probably not much, since being right doesn't matter anymore in this culture. Um, but I digress. When we come back, I've got to talk about the most underplayed story. <laughs> certainly of the year. Oh, by the way, a guy who was a couple steps from being president was apparently a <laughs> child molester, and um, no one seems to care. Nope. Uh, on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every one of the 22 different radio stations across this formerly great nation of ours which broadcast this program on a weekly basis. By the way, this program was recently voted one of the top 100 radio talk shows in the country by Talkers Magazine. Just barely. We were number 99. 99. But we're only on once a week, so if you can take that into consideration, it's pretty amazing okay. that we're in the top 100. Hey, come on, Leah. <laughs> gotta, you got to throw me a bone. All right. Um, I am usually uh, pretty good at being able to discern why and how the news media does anything, why they're obsessed with certain stories and ignore others. I am still baffled as to why this story that we're about to discuss has been virtually ignored by the mainstream news media. I'm referring to the fact that this week we learned for sure, because he admitted it, that yeah. former Speaker of the House, Denny Hastert, has been a child molester through a, at least a very long part of his life and at the very beginning of his career as a teacher and a wrestling coach back in Illinois. And uh, no one seems to care very much, Leah. What, tell us about what <laughs> happened. Yeah, well, you basically just said it. Uh, Dennis Hastert, the former Speaker of the House, once one of the most powerful politicians in the country, is going to prison. He was sentenced to 15 months for banking violations, but they're connected to a cover-up of sex abuse of young boys on his wrestling team decades ago and the attempt to pay one especially off for silence. The judge at the proceeding called Hastert a serial child molester. Hastert even admitted to the abuse, sort of, and was confronted by one of the victims and the sister of another. Now, Hastert was not charged with sexual abuse because all the statutes of limitations have run out. These happened in the 60s and 70s, but he'll have to pay 250000 in fines. He must never contact his victims, and he has to undergo the always successful sex offender treatment. Now, Leah, do you have a theory as to why the news media has virtually ignored this story? Well, the only thing that I can really think is that it happened so long ago and he's no longer powerful. And he did have those health problems. Um, right. So he had a stroke. He's just, right. So he's no longer a threat. Um, and, and he has no power anymore. So there's no one to take down. I think that's a good explanation, but obviously 
I'm looking at this from a, a rather unique perspective because, as I've mentioned many times, I've spent way too much time over the last almost five years investigating the whole so-called Penn State scandal, the Jerry Sandusky story. And it's important to point out Jerry Sandusky was also retired when that story hit. He was only a former assistant college football coach, not a former Speaker of the House. Yes, but, but it didn't happen in the 60s and 70s. Well, the allegations, many of those allegations were long past. Um, you know, the key one, when the story broke, hadn't happened for 10 years. Uh, and that never even really actually occurred, which, as I've been able to prove and even prove on the Today Show. Yet the news media ignored that because it didn't fit their, their narrative. Um, so, I mean, to me, the first thing the Hastert story proves is that the whole reason why the news media obsessed with Jerry Sandusky was because of Joe Paterno. See, there's no Joe Paterno currently, no no legend attached to Hastert who still has his job that they can take down in this Greek passion play, uh, this Greek tragedy, which was the the whole Paterno Penn State story. So that, to me, from my selfish perspective, when I, you know, obviously because I'm so involved in the story, I look at that in this and I go, ah. So Hastert proves Sandusky wasn't really outraged about child molestation. It was about Joe Paterno because that was an amazing story to, to have this guy who was perceived as this, you know, larger than life figure. The, the statue being brought down, he was supposed to be so goody two shoes. He's a conservative Republican. And it turns out he was maybe covering up for child molestation. That's an awesome story. Uh, because it was in the here and the now, and there, there was, a, you know, he was actually fired from his job right in the middle of a very good football season. Nothing yeah, like don't that. Get all the wins they could take away. Right. No, yeah. There's, there's nothing like that with Hastert. Um, now, it's also important to point out the other element of this that I look at, is, which is interesting, and this is where things get really controversial. But it's important because it it will lead us into the story of how and why I got arrested this week. The Hastert story, and anybody who knows the, the basic facts of the Penn State story, also, at the very least, has to make you go, hmm, when it comes to Sandusky's guilt, which I realize 99% of the American public thinks is a fait accompli and is not even remotely in question. Uh, and for and I was in that group for a long time investigating this. I presumed Sandusky was guilty until I interviewed him not once but twice for several hours in prison and did an enormous amount of investigation of the whole thing. And now I'm quite certain, and despite what everyone believes and what the media tells you, that there's no indication he was guilty and no logic behind it. And part of what Haster's story does is show that because in the Haster's story, we have people who extorted him, extorted him for a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying that that was wrong on their part, but they did do it. This all began because one of his past victims, bizarrely, after he's already been Speaker of the House, because you would think that would be the time when you would extort somebody, right? Exactly. When, but that didn't happen. And I don't have a good explanation for why that didn't happen, but it's not important to, to my, the point I'm making here. The point is he got extorted for a ton of money, $3.5 million he got extorted for. Nothing like that, nothing remotely like that happened in the Sandusky case. Nobody ever tried to extort Jerry Sandusky, ever. Nor did he ever pay anybody any money, ever. Nor did he ever admit, like Dennis Tastert did, to any sort of child molestation, even after he got convicted and sentenced to at least 30 years in prison when Hastert is only going to get 15 months at most, probably won't even serve 15 months because this was based in a financial transaction. 
uh, issue, which, you know, and I'm even uncomfortable with the financial transaction issue because he was effectively convicted for taking out too much of his own money in cash out of the bank. Right. Um, but and again, I'm not defending him. I mean, that's I, it's clear he's guilty. He admitted he's guilty. Uh, the extortion itself is, I think, pretty good indication he's probably guilty, especially when the authority, you know, the authority started investigating this as a, a claim that that Haster was being extorted by someone who was a fake victim. And so they started recording the conversations, and they came to the conclusion, wait a minute, this guy's not a fake victim. He's real. Yes. Which is maybe the strangest part of the whole story. because Haster blew the whistle on himself. And you think he did it on purpose? I don't know. I think it's possible. I I think, you know what, I'm going to say no. I think he was tired of paying. Well... (laughs) And he wanted to stop. But then why did he effectively admit it at, at sentencing? Because the- uh, I think he had to admit it at sentencing because uh, he wanted this 15 months. And the judge actually could have gone a little bit more. And I think it was part of his deal. You're good 15 oh, okay. months, but you have to say, yes, I did it. All right. Well, that's that makes some sense then. All right. So, But the bottom line is... This is a guy who was incredibly powerful, and I go back to that 2006 election, which cost the Republican Party, the House, and the Senate at a critical time. It basically destroyed the Bush presidency, and part of why that happened happened for two reasons, Katrina and Mark Foley. Mark Foley was the story for the last two weeks of that election. He was a Republican congressman who was uh, accused of inappropriate activity with male interns and pages. Now— Dennis Hastert was his boss at that time. How compromised was Dennis Hastert? Yes. <laughs> you couldn't have true. been could not have been more compromised in handling Mark Foley if you're Dennis Hastert. Now now that we know that. But people people don't seem to care once we find out what really happened. No, it's too it's too, weird. too long ago. All right. Now this sets up the next hour because as I've already mentioned, <clears throat> no look. I'm not going to get into the details. You're going to have to just accept what I'm telling you to be true. You can research it on your own at a couple different websites, most specifically my website, framingpaterno.com, uh, that, where I delve into every aspect of this case. Uh, and, and people ask me all the time, John, why are you doing this? I know, Leah, you're baffled as to why I'm doing this. Yes. Um, and and it's, an, it's a very understandable question because I fully recognize that the vast majority of public is going to look at me like either either I'm crazy, and that's, by the way, the better interpretation, <laughs> or somehow in some bizarro world I'm defending child molestation, which is even more insane. I've got an almost four-year-old daughter. That's not what this is about, even in the slightest bit. What this is about is that I found myself in an incredibly difficult situation. I started investigating this so-called Penn State scandal under one perception And as I dug and I dug and I dug, I realized that the whole thing was crap, that the whole thing didn't happen. I'm not talking about reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt is important, but I wouldn't put my body on the line, my life, my career, my reputation on the line for reasonable doubt. All right. I'm not that dumb. I'm talking about innocence, and I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it for a million different reasons that I don't have enough time to get into right now, although I've already outlined a couple of them. So. But here was the the rub of it, Leah. Because of the circumstances surrounding my involvement in this case, I knew I was the only person who had the knowledge and potentially the 
the well, definitely the balls. I, the only one with the knowledge, the balls, and potentially the opportunity to do anything about this. If I felt as if there was anybody out that, else out there that could take up this cause, I would have gladly said, please. This is I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. But I had to make a decision as to whether or not I could live with myself allowing this truth that I knew to be true to go unpromoted and to allow to die along with an innocent man in prison in the most heinous circumstances possible, as well as a whole bunch of other people who are totally innocent, who've had their reputations completely destroyed and are still well, facing... Well, one died. And one of them died. A legend died, and three other men have been still are still facing charges that they'll never go to trial for four-plus years later. And they're totally innocent, even though some of the charges have been dropped, which I've been predicting for mo- years would happen, and I was right about this. In fact, almost every prediction I've made in this case has been true, because I know the truth and no one else does. Well, I'm going to tell you the story of what happened when I went to Pennsylvania this week, and it's going to blow your mind on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.